0: You're listening to Drek FM. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. (laughs) I was there more times than I can remember.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Trek FM's local watering hole. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew Rushing, and I'm excited to be back in the 602 Club. Uh, you know, we hit 50 shows the last week, and that was really Woo-woo. fun talking about the Martian. Yeah, what up? Yeah. Look yeah. at us. Um, you know, it's I, like it's exciting, but you know, uh, I just expect the show to to continue on because I love doing it so much. So, like, you know, maybe when we hit, like, 100, we'll really celebrate or something. But, uh, you know, like 50, eh. You know, if you can't get to 50 podcasts, come on. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) I do hope, though, that everybody does have a great drink from Ruby. She's serving some great stuff tonight. And uh, I've got some lovely ladies here to talk about some fun stuff. We're going to be talking about Pan, the brand new movie that came out uh, just this last weekend, and both of them are from the wonderful podcast Educating Geeks, so that's right, um, I love having these ladies on, it, it. I feel like we have our own little 602 club, and so Megan, it's good to have you back here in the 602.
2: Happy to be back, it's been a while. <gasps>
1: yeah back in <laughs> but it's not really be- I think it was
2: back in may yeah. was it sky captain or did we do another one it was I don't uh, remember. you
1: were on sky captain and i'm trying to think of if you weren't something i feel else. like
2: there's another one in there
1: it probably was now i do say 50 shows it's hard to keep track of all of them <laughs> yeah uh, it is it's a yeah. lot so well alice you are back in the 602 club as well it's so good to have you here
0: Yes, I always enjoy hanging out in the 602 Club. I have a nice dry martini with a garden of olives from Miss Ruby. And I, of course, love hanging out in this environment uh, with my bestie, Megan, over from Educating Geeks.
1: Oh, my gosh. I feel so, like out of place here. No. Like the besties are here. Maybe I should just go like sit over there and <laughs> try and guess Ruby's kids' names. Yeah, we names. got this, man. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. All right. Well, uh, before we do jump in, of course, I uh, just wanted to remind everybody that the 602 Club is part of the Trek FM network, which means you can find us at iTunes.com slash Trek FM along with all the other shows that we have for you. In fact, we've got a show covering every single part of Star Trek, whether it is the series... Whether it's books and comics, whether it's behind the scenes, different points of view, we have got it all. So check us out at itunes.com slash trek.fm or you can go to trek.fm, our website. You can check out all the show pages, all the different shows, read about everything. It's a great place to be. And I hope you'll check out some of the other things that we've got for you other than the 602 Club. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter at TrekFM. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. If you would like to leave us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you guys. Go to the website at Trek.FM slash content, choose a show, You can just choose the 602 Club, and we'll get that email. And I got one today. It was great to hear from a listener, and I hope you'll do that. You can also leave us a voicemail. I'd love to get that from you at speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. Or you can look in the sidebar of any show page and leave us a voicemail that way. So, Now that that is out of the way, ladies, I'm very excited because uh, we are talking about Well, first, we're going to talk about a story that's been pretty dear to me for a very long time in my life. I have loved the story of Peter Pan, and I don't really know why. Maybe I'm just a boy who doesn't want to grow up. (laughs) Um, That's probably why I'm surrounded by toys. I mean, action. I mean, collectibles (laughs) all over this office. Um, And so it kind of made me wonder, as I was coming into this film, like, what were your histories with Peter Pan and just the the story in general. And then, of course, you know, the different film versions that have come out or, you know, you could be a fan of the play as well. So Alice, for you, what's been your history with this story and uh, what have been some of your favorite uh, versions that have come out?
0: So I am not uh, a huge fan of this story. I mean, I grew up with it. Um, but it was not a story that I remember being read aloud to me as a kid. Uh, So I don't have that memory. I, of course, grew up on the Disney version, the animated version. Uh, But it was never my favorite. I've seen Hook. I've seen the play. I mean, my mother's a theater professional. So I've seen several theater adaptations of it. Uh, But I mean, it's just not a story that draws me in. And I'm not really sure why that is. Um. Maybe it's because I'm not a boy who can't grow up. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, That's probably a good thing. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It's just never been a story that, that you know, I've adored, like A Wrinkle in Time or The Phantom Tollbooth, you know, which are, you know, or Treasure Island. I mean, I and I just don't know why. I tried to think about it because I knew you were going to ask the question, but I can't put my finger on it. What about you, Megan?
2: Uh, So for me, uh, I definitely grew up watching the Disney movie. um, But for me, the part of the Peter Pan history that I'm really a big fan of is Hook. Um, That's a phenomenal movie. It's a great Robin Williams movie. It's a great Steven Spielberg movie. There's a fantastic score. Um, To me, that movie is everything that a great Peter Pan movie can be. Um, I've never read the stories. Um, I did see the Johnny Depp movie about... like the kind of stretched history of the author, I guess. (laughs) Finding Neverland, yes. Yeah, Finding Neverland, right? Um, So yeah, uh, I've seen that, but I really would like to read the stories. Uh, They seem kind of fun, and I just have never checked it out.
1: For me, obviously, I grew up with the Disney version. I mean, that's my first exposure. Uh, I think for so many people, that's that's what we think of when we think of the Peter Pan story. And then I read the book, and I love J.M. Barry's book, and I think what's so interesting about it is it's so surprisingly deep and melancholy. People don't expect that, but it really is a story that is about the sadness that Peter can't grow up and experience life and how it's important to grow up because if you don't, you're missing out on really important things. And the, the juxtaposition between hook and Peter is a, is a big deal of hook is very sad because Wendy loves Peter and Peter will never be able to experience that. And hook is sad because nobody loves him. And, Peter has it right in front of him, but he's he'll never mature to be able to experience that kind of love. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting book, and, and it has so much more going on to it than I think anybody expects. And so that's what I really love about that story. And then I think, honestly, the movie that has played closest to that was P.J. Hogan's Peter Pan that came out years back with... Uh, Jason Isaacs as Captain Hook, which was a really I really enjoy that film a lot. Um, and Jeremy Sumter, who was in Friday Night Lights, and I think it's the he's in the second season and and forward, he's in that film as Peter. And it's it's a really it's actually a really well done film, and it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy that. Uh, for me personally, I cannot. I'm sorry, Megan, but I hate Hook so much. <laughs> Um, and that is a whole other podcast and I will just say the reason I do not (laughs) like it is because of what it does to Neverland and Spielberg has a bad habit of really tying certain films to a time period and Neverland shouldn't be time bound it should feel timeless and Mm. uh and so that's what really just bothered me about that movie um I mean it's almost redeemed because Julia Roberts is Tinkerbell, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's not close enough. That's actually my least favorite part about the movie. <laughs> but yeah, again, I'm weird. Yeah, that's that's me. I know so many people love that movie and they'll probably hear that I hated it and turn this off and be like, that guy's an idiot. Um, It's just my opinion. I'm not saying you can't like it. I'm, I'm just saying I don't. So,
2: I just... I am so tickled when I meet somebody and we have such the exact opposite reaction to, to something like that, because I'm with you. Like you're totally valid in that opinion. I can totally understand why somebody wouldn't like that movie. I just happen to love it. Um. (laughs) How interesting. I'm learning so much about you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and two, I think that I was probably a little bit too old when it came out as well.
2: Yeah, I was definitely the age that that movie was aimed right at. I was the golden age for that movie, for sure. Well, and that that
1: happens, unfortunately, with some movies that they just don't age as well for people. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, yeah, I can completely get that. And that's why I'm okay with like... People love it. It's okay. I just, I. It's not my thing. Um. Yeah. You know. So everybody, let's be copacetic. Okay. Let's just be cool. Um, Word. Word for the day. Word for the day. Um. (laughs) Okay. So this is a really interesting thing, though, because this Pan movie is a prequel to the story of Peter Pan. It's it's basically laying the foundation for how Peter gets to Neverland, how Hook comes into the story, all of these things that we'll know how it all comes together, which it's always an interesting thing when you're trying to engineer a story that way and make it it feel legitimate because obviously we know Peter's not going to die, Hook's not going to die, Tiger Lily's not going to die. You know, We we have all these people who aren't going to die in the movie. Um, And so I kind of wondered for you guys, going in, We knew it would be a prequel. And how does that sit with you just in general with films uh, when it comes to prequels? And then um, how does it work now that you've seen the movie and especially maybe even when you think about it connecting with, you know, the actual story of Peter Pan? And I mean, there's no specific movie that it's working towards other than the fact that this was probably going to be a trilogy but now with the box office return, probably not. So Megan, how did that all kind of sit with you and in, in, uh, what did you think?
2: Well, um, I mean, having not read any of the books um, and being limitedly familiar with the Peter Pan backstory and history, I didn't really have any expectations going into it, even though I knew it was a prequel. But I just was hoping... I I went in not having a lot of expectations, I guess. Um, I enjoy Hugh Jackman, so I was looking forward to seeing Hugh Jackman, but um, it kind of felt like, why Peter Pan and why now? Um, And it's almost disappointing that I feel like it's disappointing that they were building up to a trilogy because I feel like if they had focused on making one succinct movie instead of trying to lay all these breadcrumbs to start a series of movies, they might have told a more coherent and more entertaining story.
1: No, I think that's, that's legitimate for sure. Um, what about you, Alice?
0: I am with Megan in that I went in with no expectations, which is how I approach new movies these days, I try and not see the previews, I try and not read any reviews, I try and not know anything about the movie, because I always find I end up having a better overall experience that way. Expectations apparently are a very bad thing for me. Um, That said, I I would definitely agree with what both of you had alluded to that there are some struggles in sort of following the 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 story and there are pieces of it that just didn't quite make sense to me or didn't quite flow uh and i can totally be with with megan's assessment that it might very well have been that the writers were you know working toward the stretch goal of having the the two additional films um so you know i didn't i didn't hate it um you know, I didn't. I didn't love it either. Uh, was I sad that I paid matinee price? No, I had a good two hours with my son. We chatted about it afterwards. We had a good time.
1: You know, it, it was interesting because I did go in with some expectations partly because i know the director i know joe Wright. he's done pride and prejudice which i love his version of pride and prejudice and if somebody wants to argue with me about how the bbc <laughs> version is better <laughs> uh, we can do that one day maybe on the 602 club and a supplemental or something uh i really enjoyed his take on atonement atonement is a, f- a just a phenomenal book by ian McEwan, and i had no idea how somebody was going to turn that into a movie because of the way that he uses uh, flashback scenes. And Joe Wright did it, and it was an an amazing film. Uh, And then he turned in a Karenina into this really interesting and amazing stage play almost on screen, and I thought that was really spectacular too. So I had some expectations there, and then, of course, uh, one of the producers of this film... And I know this producer really well because I know his work on television. It's Greg Berlanti is one of the producers here. And, of course, he does Arrow and Flash and has done so many other things in TV and has been very successful. And I thought, okay, he's involved. So all of these things are in my mind, obviously, as I am going into the film. And I thought, okay, this this could be really good. I would love to see a great version of this Peter Pan universe on screen and so coming in I I unfortunately had some some expectations and you know now that I've seen the film I think what you said Megan really struck a chord with me and I think this is why people need to stop making movies and and working towards a sequel unless it's something like a harry potter or the hunger games yes where it's yes. already written so you know it's there and that it works just put your best foot forward first and then if it's a hit and you could find a way to legitimately make a sequel do that you know um it doesn't always work I because totally yeah pirates of the caribbean uh was it a phenomenal film but the sequels don't necessarily live up to that first movie. They're not terrible. They're just not as good. But they also put everything in the kitchen sink plus a dead not dead monkey into the movie. So, <laughs> you know, um I, I really just think I I think you're right on there that if you Write your best stuff now, which is, again, what Flash and Arrow do. (laughs) They don't wait. They just write their best stuff now, and they challenge themselves to always continue to build on that. So, yeah, I I think, you know, prequel, it's not a bad idea. Um, I guess I might have been a little bit more interested in the storyline if I didn't have that in my brain.
2: Yeah, I could see that. And I totally agree with you about Joe Wright. Um, I haven't seen everything that he's done, and Atonement has been on my list for a while, Matthew. So I'm going to have to watch it really soon now that you've given it such a strong endorsement. But I loved Anna Karenina. I thought that was one of the most unique pieces of filmmaking I'd seen in a really long time. I mean, I've, I've just never seen anything like that before or since. Um, And so I don't think I even realized it was Joe Wright. We got to the theater right as the movie was starting. And like Alice, I went in pretty much blind, um, except for some of the cast. So I didn't see who the director was or realize who it was going in. I kind of wish I had known beforehand, but it's almost better that I didn't. yeah, I he's so creative. I feel like it kind of, something got lost in the jumble, maybe with, with Joe's concept. I don't know. Well, he
0: may not have had as much control. I mean, movie making is the ultimate team sport. So he he may That's not true. have Unless you're had George as Lucas, much power.
1: <laughs> and then you can do what you want uh, because you yeah. are financing the movie yourself.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, you could still... Yeah have a teammate who F something That's, up that you can't afford to yeah. fix by the time you go That's to the right. So, but anyway,
1: well, okay. So we talked a little bit about the story. So I figured, you know, it's not even on the outline, but we should probably kind of talk through a little bit of the story. If you haven't seen the movie, oh, obviously yeah. we're going to kind of spoil it for you. But, um, so the, that the storyline itself, um, you know, obviously it is a, a, a prequel to Peter Pan. And it starts out kind of interestingly that these pirates are stealing children from different parts of the world during World War II, from uh, and bringing them to Neverland to mine for this thing called Pixum. And I don't even want to deal with the really terrible like subplot of the. What are you
0: talking about?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't want to deal with the subplot though of the the. The horrible nun stuff. I I really cringe when
0: they use that trope
1: because it didn't
0: even make it sense. it didn't make sense. And in to that light, they weren't being stolen. They those kids were being sold.
1: Exactly. Uh, so apparently, yeah. they're endorsing the fact that Catholic nuns in World War II sold children into slavery to pirates from Neverland. Mm-hmm. I that's that doesn't sit yeah. well with me as a story point. So, yeah, Blackbeard, though, is, is in basically enslaving all of these people uh, because what's interesting is when they get to Neverland, they don't just stay children. They do grow up. Um, and, it you know, because Hook is not a child, he's an adult, and he seems to have been there for a while. So that's a really interesting point because, as far as I knew, when you went to Neverland, you didn't grow up, at least so far, uh, what I thought.
2: Yeah, I didn't even think of that part. I don't know how I missed so
0: that. So Pan is mining the pixum for himself, right? He Black Blackbeard is, is. Sorry, he's it's like reverse mess. He's mining the pixum to remain <laughs> young forever. So he's not forever sharing it in a place young. where you
2: are not supposed to grow old.
0: So this is a prequel. So maybe that right. version. Doesn't exist yet, Mm. and that's part of the trilogy not to come. Whereas,
1: maybe (laughs) that's excellent headcanon, Alice. (laughs) Maybe the reason that people grow older is because the fairy kingdom is hidden away. And it's the fairies and their pixie dust right. that allow people to stay young all the time, or the same age as when they enter Neverland. So maybe that's that it. Makes sense. Okay, that that makes sense. Okay, we've got it. We figured this out for you, folks. Um, so you're gonna be <laughs> glad you listened to this show. Um, but yeah. So, I mean. Uh, let me put it this way. The the story plot is basically this. Peter Pan is the original Harry Potter. Oh. Uh, he is chosen before... He's basically born to be the savior of Neverland. And we've got Blackbeard, who's basically Voldemort. His goal is to live forever.
0: Okay, so here's, here's my version when we come out of the theater. Hook is... Um, Han Solo, Tiger Lily is Aww. Princess Leia, Pan is Luke, the chosen one, uh, Blackbeard is Darth Vader, addicted to reverse meth, uh, Smead is C-3PO crossed with R2-D2, uh, the Fairyland is the Rebel Alliance. Uh, you know, I mean, Ray. Ray even comes out of the movie theater, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Hook." He's just like Han Solo. It was to me that was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's it.
1: <laughs> and he even wow, comes yeah, in at the last minute and saves the day. Yeah, yeah. he lands exactly. on the ship. <laughs> wow, you are wow, we are nailing this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, whether it's Harry Potter or Star Wars, is if you put those two together, basically you have the story points of this movie and. You know, I, a lot of of children's literature um, has those things in it now. Um, you know, a chosen one and all that kind of stuff. Very much from all the way back to the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, two sons of Adam and two daughters of Eve will sit on Cereperval's throne. You know, um, uh, and all will be well. It, it's it goes all the way back to that. Um, and Star Wars made it even more popular with its hero's journey and Luke, and then of course the prequels with Anakin and the whole chosen one. And geez, so uh, yeah, it's an um, it's an interesting conglomeration of different stories, all put into a blender. And whether or not the concoction is of your choosing and liking it will is is interesting so uh but that's kind of the story uh we're we're really not giving everything away but i just kind of wanted to talk about some of those story ideas and it was interesting as i was watching the movie i was like oh well that comes from that and then that and he's just the original harry potter okay i got it uh he's even left on the nun's doorstep as a baby Wrapped in a yes. swaddling cloth yes. with a letter on yes, his... He is. Just like Harry. Yeah, so, you're right. You're right. Um, this is from the And s- the
2: blanket was shaped like a pea. Mm-hmm.
1: That's true. For Peter. Yeah, this is the studio that brought you Harry Potter, if you didn't catch that <laughs> in the uh, trailers. so
2: Basically, if you can't tell from all of our grasping at straws here,
1: is that the plot is very thin. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it's... It's not. It's really not terrible. I think the setup in the beginning is not fantastic. Yeah, it, and that's it's, and it's a little long too. It, it, and it and as we said, the nun storyline thing is. I I find it to be so offensive. Um, at this <laughs> point, uh, I'm I'm sorry, trashing Catholics to me is is it's too easy and and it's mean and it's wrong. And I don't appreciate it, and I'm not even Catholic, um, you know. But I, I just don't. It, it's a it's a badly used trope, and and they could have done a much better sh- and, and a quicker storyline there uh, without you know denigrating anybody's you know personal faith. So
2: you tell them, Matthew. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, um, I'm, I'm not Mr. Sensitive Police. I'm 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 not, you know, I I really not that kind of person, but. It just did not sit well with me, but it also, I was like,
0: this is a really long intro, and it's not you should not apologize and if there should be a niceness or a politeness police I mean like that should just be everyone's default way of being you shouldn't have to apologize for being polite and nice like that's ridiculous to me I I agree yeah. I think it's really it made me think of our, our other cohort or one of our other cohorts at Educating Geese Andrea who's always like oh the Nazis you know like she so in this case would be like oh the evil nuns Um, I, I did find talking about the plot which is sort of what we've been discussing and sort of summarizing the major plot points i did toward the end of the film probably the second half in my head start to try for myself to figure out how they were going to reconnect things like i couldn't stop myself so on the one hand i think the story wasn't engaging enough that it was stopping me from doing that because I'm in my head, you know, thinking about like, okay, so then that person's going to live and that person might, and then these two things might hook up. Like I I definitely fell into that trap in the later part of the film.
1: It's a trap.
0: (laughs) Um, It had to be done.
1: Uh, No, I... I, I, I'm with you in the sense that you know as as somebody who knows the peter Pan story i I obviously like we said when we were talking about coming in knowing it's a prequel, okay, how is this going to fit together and it's an interesting thing because uh there's certain things about the Peter Pan universe that you do kind of need to connect to obviously if you're gonna be doing a quote unquote prequel to this story and and so yeah um i I will say. So, if if people are listening so far, you you heard I don't really like the beginning of the film, but I'd say probably the next two-thirds of the film are much better than the first third. Um, So, basically, once you get out of the mines, I feel like the film finally took off.
2: Yeah, it did get more enjoyable after the long setup.
0: Um,
1: Because
0: that's
2: where
1: the action It really starts to soar. at that point yeah all the action starts really happening well and and it I think that's it's just it kind of gets the point that what everybody wants like you want to be in Neverland experiencing Neverland and that's a fun place to be so um okay kind of we could talk about the plot and the muddiness of it and we could slosh around in the dagobah of it for a long time (laughs) But uh, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit with you guys about these iconic roles that are being filled. I mean, you know, uh, traditionally, if you see a play, Peter Pan is, is played by a woman, um, most notably recently live on NBC, played by Ashley Williams in a terrible, terrible. version of Peter Pan. I Terrible. Terrible. Um, <laughs> but obviously when you're doing a film, you can choose to make uh, the the movie with an actual boy. So I wanted to start with Levi Miller and what you guys thought of him playing Pan.
0: I liked him okay. Uh, if I'm going to look at the, the main cast, he was definitely in the middle of the pack. Um, in terms of his... Performance all I can say is that I that I thought he did a perfectly all right job. I c I can't say he was spectacular. I can't say he was awful.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've um I have not seen him in anything else before, so this is my first time seeing him and I thought he did a good job with the role that he was given. Um he seems like he's got some talent as a young actor, and I think um this is a great place for him to be early in his career so it'd be interesting to see what he does after this because I feel like there's more material out there that he could definitely do some stuff with he was as good as Peter Pan um definitely filled the role very well I, I liked his enthusiasm and um his kind of troublesome attitude um so I thought he did a really good job
1: yeah I'm interested to hear both of you say that because honestly I thought he was fantastic um I really enjoyed his performance. And honestly, the movie is for him to carry. I mean, and if you don't enjoy what he's doing at all, you're going to be really bored with the movie because he's the entire thing. And, you know, obviously, picking the right child actor is probably the hardest thing to do in Hollywood. Um, Because, you know, you see the auditions and all those kind of things. And But how they're actually going to be day in and day out and actually perform, I I felt like he does. He carries the movie really well. I was very impressed with him. I I liked his Peter a lot because it feels like Peter. I mean, he's snarky and quippy and funny and defiant. And he's the boy who will crow and he will never grow old. You know, he's the one, like, I felt like he just, to me, he invibed that role, and I, I really needed him to, and I was glad he did. So, the next thing he'll be in, he's actually going to be playing Cat Grant's I, either son, I think it's her son, in Supergirl. So, uh, oh, okay. he is going to be on television next in another Greg Berlanti joint. So, um, but yeah, I I really liked him, and um. I was glad that that happened because when you go to a movie with the, like this, and if the kid actor is just not great, it's. Uh, Shall it's we make? Hard. Shall we make bad. another Star yeah, Wars you reference? Feel bad. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there Kay. because that's just mean. Fair. And 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 um, uh, I'm not gonna put that on Jake Lloyd. But um, anyway, he's a sweet kid. He is. A, he was a really sweet kid, and. Enough people have made fun of him in his life I'm not going to add to that (laughs) So um, yeah okay Rest of the cast I mean uh, Hugh Jackman obviously the big Name in this film uh, what did and, and, yeah, I'm a huge Hugh Jackman fan. Uh, Megan is doing little hearts with her hand. It's so cute right now. Um, apparently, <laughs> we're going to fight it out to see who can be with Hugh Jackman first because I'd yes. totally be with Hugh Jackman. I will win. Um, uh, probably. <laughs> I'm just yeah, you're doing yoga there. these days. Um, um, <laughs> Alice. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. Anyway, so Hugh Jackman uh, as Blackbeard, what did you guys think?
2: um he, you can really tell that Hugh Jackman is just pouring his all into this role um I don't think I've ever seen him half-ass anything and he's definitely not doing it here um the character just doesn't work for me though even though I love Hugh Jackman and I can see how he's acting the hell out of it um but I think the character's motivations are confusing Um, And the plot there are plot problems surrounding the character. Um, So good work Hugh Jackman. You're still King Jackman (laughs) officially crowned by educating geeks at Squee Fest 2014. You are the king of my heart. But no,
0: this is not That's some I'm, serious
1: fangirling, right yeah, there. Yes, it is. Ooh. Yeah, yes, yes, it
0: is. Um, I, am sorry, I can't hold. I, home I myself. can't blame you. I, I agree. I, I, think he did the best that he could with the work, the piece that he was given to work with, and, and he, I mean, he does a good job. I mean, I, I think he's probably one of the best actors of his generation. And I think for me, what sealed it. Is oftentimes in the film there are close-ups on his eyes when he is emoting, and you can really see the emotion just in his eyes, Selling you know. It. And he does such Selling a beautiful, it. a beautiful job of that. That I mean, I agree that the character as a whole is problematic, uh, but I think he did the best job that he could.
1: Man, all I can think of is.
0: In his eyes, <laughs> the light, the
1: heat, I am complete. I am in complete. his yeah. eyes, I see totally. the doorway oh of a thousand like churches. Green his eyes. Yeah. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> oh my I, I want to keep singing. Anyway, uh, because Hugh Jackman loves to sing, and he does like he does get to sing in this film a little bit. So, um, I agree with you both. It is a character who. I think one of the things, uh, just production design, they overdress him. Like he's yes. got too much on. Uh, too and I, much. I, I don't mean that that I need to see him shirtless or anything. What I'm saying is just that the costume is so bulky, and and I know Alice is pointing about how she needs to see Hugh Jackman shirtless. Uh, any Wolverine movie will do that for you. Um, Heck yes. Yeah, can we we're, we're going to get off track here guys. Um I'm, I'm going to go with you because it's Hugh Jackman I'm sorry. but you, Oh goodness. You
2: brought up Hugh Jackman with the wrong people. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's
1: okay. I I'm a, I'm a I'm a Huey. No. I'm a Hugh fan. Um that's what we call ourselves, the Hueys. Oh. And um we have meetings. Maybe we need to go to one. We, uh. Yes. Let us know when there's another meeting.
2: We need to be there. But
1: yeah, I I feel like the role is actually not big enough for him. There's not enough for him to do. And it was disappointing because some of the best scenes that he has are in a flashback scene basically in the pensive. I mean the water of the lagoon uh, (laughs) where I feel like if he had gotten to act that scene, it would have been fantastic. Like it really, I mean, it just would have meant more. So, um. It's not bad. It's just it, you know, too. When you were thinking about it, it's like the other villain in in Peter Pan is Captain Hook, and his stuff is so good. Especially when I think about the book, this just it's like, eh, it's it's okay. Um, well, what about Garrett Headland? What about Garrett Headland, who's no. playing James Hook? What did you guys uh, end up thinking about him? Because uh, he definitely gets a lot of scream time.
0: I struggled with him, and to tell you, what I'm saying, I didn't recognize him as the guy from the Tron reboot. Um, yeah, not, I didn't that's recognize right. he, him, and at he's all. really
1: good. I like him in, in Tron Legacy oh God, a lot. I hated
0: that movie, anyway. Um, <laughs> I couldn't that's figure okay. I out what movie. he was doing, so I'm really interested to hear. Your guys' take on, you know, the voice that he chose to do, his sort of head-forward delivery. Um, I, and I kept, I, in my head, I kept going like, okay, was Hook like that in the animated series? Was he like, like what is he drawing on to make those choices in his acting? Because I could not figure it out, and I found it really distracting. Um yeah, I mean and he has some good lines and he has some good delivery at times, but generally I was just like, "Ugh, I cannot." Every moment he was on screen, I was like, "What is he doing?"
2: Um, I was going to say about him the same thing I said about Hugh Jackman. Like, I feel like he was just trying so hard and acting the crap out of that role to the best of his ability and just doing and just doing everything he could to make it unique and bring his own point of view to Captain Hook and you can see so hard that he I could feel like he was imagining himself in like the full on Dustin Hoffman style Hook getup with the big wig and the big clothing and everything I felt like he was trying to wear those clothes already Um, again it doesn't quite work but he tried really hard and he acted the crap out of it and I have a lot of respect for what he tried to do with the part, but it didn't but quite work. I,
0: see, I, I can I can go there with you to an extent, Megan. But so in your mind, th- that affectation that he took on was him trying to anticipate his role in film number three, is what you're saying?
2: That's a that was how it felt
0: okay. to me. Yes, because I I don't I mean, respect his uh, choices. So you weren't going with he's like, I'm James Hook.
1: How's it going there? It's like he's trying to sound like a pirate, but he's not a pirate yet. Yeah, he's trying to tone it down. Yeah, it, it, I I I do agree with both of you. It is a. It, I wish that he had just played it more naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the role. I think it would have been a little bit more helpful if he had. Um, Now, Alice, your son, told me right before we started recording that he actually really liked Hook. So, um, you know, apparently maybe for the kids, the younger generation, it it just worked more. That kind of... That's certainly possible. Yeah, it's an... And and he... uh, I just say, he's overacting big time. uh, And... He's trying so hard. Yeah, but it wasn't even in the same way that where Hugh Jackman was being larger than life, he was just legitimately overacting the parts. (laughs) That's what it felt um, like, for sure. Yeah. This one was an interesting choice. Uh, Rooney Mara. Uh, Kate Morris sister they both actresses um I I have to say Rooney got the better end of the deal because she wasn't in fan four stick and actually got something to do in this movie um but what did you guys think about her being Tiger Lily we're both she's
2: all right Alice and I are just like shrugging I think we're both doing. I I mean I thought
0: she um oh first of all I loved her clothes Especially the especially yeah. the costume that she wears at the very end of the film with the beautiful the sort of the feathers yeah. and yeah. the placards in the front. It's it's absolutely stunning. Um but yeah, I'll I'll co-sign what Megan is saying. I I think she did an all right job. It was hard for me again with that hint of romance between her and Hook because I would like who would like that guy, you know? Like it was really <laughs> hard for me to buy it and to buy their relationship and to buy their instant connection, you know, that people have in movies where you fall in love at the snap of a fingers or whatever. Um, but he's so pretty. Ugh. I, so I don't know if I, if, at. if,
1: if I, at least if if I'm standing next to Rooney Mara I can understand you know she's pretty uh, she's beautiful and then of course in this movie she's also pretty awesome in the sense that like, again Alice your son loved the the axe boomerang thing that she had she kicked some serious ass in this that movie thing was yeah really so cool. um I could yeah um I think what I liked about her is that she wasn't doing any o- overacting or anything she wasn't making herself yeah. larger than life she was just and, and especially the scenes that she just had with uh, Levi Miller for, with them together I thought that that's where she kind of shined it wasn't in um, the flirting scenes with with Hook or anything like that it was really in those smaller scenes where she came to life and and she was great at the action stuff too but and I felt like Again, it's a part that just needed to be a little bit bigger for her and give her a little bit more to work with. And I think, unfortunately, them anticipating two other films may have cut down the actual meat that she could have gotten in the story if if she had really been given... Just, to, you know, something more to do. Well, I,
0: I have to say, if we're going to talk, you know, tropes slash cliches, like I'm a lover of action. So I'm never going to say that I almost never am going to say that I don't want to see someone kicking ass. <laughs> uh but you know so here she is a a woman and it's very hard in a modern film not to have a woman kick ass i mean you know like disney princesses suddenly are kung fu masters you know um but but he was kung fu fighting <laughs> you were on Ru- fire tonight. hey ruby
1: <laughs> ruby can you turn the music off we're, we're recording here Jeez god <laughs>
2: Um <laughs> First Peter Gabriel now this I love it. So the
0: two things we've noticed or bothered to mention about Tiger Lily is the fact that she kicks ass and that she has a romantic Uh, you know, or the start of a romantic relationship with Hook. But we don't mention the fact that clearly she's a political leader for her tribe. And she has been entrusted with the protection of her tribe and important information, which she guards um, to her, you know, almost death. Uh, You know, but, but that, you know, doesn't seem to come up. It's always the romance and the ass kicking these days and you know i thought at least they gave her you know a little something more to do even if people didn't seem to notice it
1: i like that point a lot alice and that makes me like the character more because i don't just need tiger Lily, warrior princess you know and again I, i the, the things that I liked about her, her acting, the character were those smaller moments where it's not about her action. It's, it's the connection she's having with another character in the movie and, and that kind of stuff and the way in which the theme of her kind of becoming a little bit of a mother to Peter who doesn't have a mother anymore. You know, like this, this whole idea we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in our theme section. Uh, I thought was really interesting. So yeah, I, I like that. Okay, so Adil Akhtar, I think that's how you say his name, uh, played Mister Smith, and I wanted to ask you guys about him because he stole every yes, he single did. scene. I loved him; like, so yes, he hilarious.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was hilarious. He was so good. But the the unfortunate thing about how funny he was was that his character seemed unnecessary, which is tragic. Because he was so funny and really brought a unique take to Smee, who's always a great comedic relief in all of the Peter Pan stuff that I've encountered. And I think he just really went with it and it worked.
0: Yeah, I, I, I adore him. Now, granted, I'm, I'm a fan of the comic relief and the comic relief in a movie is almost always my favorite character uh and this was was no different i agree with you 100% that he stole every scene that he was in i just adored him and totally want to look him up and find out what else he's been in and to see if he's
2: This is the only thing i Yeah seen. i'd never heard
0: of him until you attempted to hopefully correctly say his name um but i'll definitely hit imdb and check it out
1: Well yeah i i just i really they nailed that character there that you know it's me that kind of devious uh, lovable rogue basically that's what he is and he's so he just is he's so funny and the the way that he delivers his lines is perfect, um, and he's the less annoying C three PO in this film. Basically, like you were saying earlier, so
2: <laughs> the scene where he is thinks he's alone in the jungle and is undressing, the way he shakes his trousers off is just such a memorable moment. <laughs> like, <laughs> what a great couple of, sentence of character, sent, seconds of character development! It was just incredible.
1: No, yeah, it was so. Um, you know, there's some other famous people. You got, uh, famous mermaid, um, which I thought for the first time I've seen a mermaid in a movie where I was like, the mermaid looks pretty good. Like in in the sense of like the, the, the actual (laughs) CGI work used to create the mermaid looks very good. Uh, she was also hot and like Hook. I didn't want to leave her either, but anyway, (laughs) let's go on to some themes a little, uh, Alice loves when I get deep. Um and I I reference Alice a lot these days uh, ever since you said that. <laughs> but I so one of the most interesting things and this is where the movie really connects with I think uh Star Wars and Harry Potter for me is this whole idea of like greed and the way that it really destroys people from the inside out. Um you know Anakin in Star Wars is so in love with Padme this obsessive love that it, it it leads him to destroy the thing he loves. And, um, you know, in, in the same way that, you know, Voldemort doesn't want to die is the same thing that Blackbeard wants. He doesn't want to die. He wants to live forever, and he's willing to destroy whatever he needs to get it, whether it's a fairy kingdom or stealing young boys who will turn into men to mine this stuff that's keeping him alive artificially. It's just it was a really interesting thing for i thought a uh, a kids movie to tackle and it's 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 not that s- subtle um that i think kids might miss it you know so i don't know what did you guys think well
2: um i i think it's there um I don't know. I have to collect my thought on
0: this. Hold on. So I I agree with you. I think the, I I think that the theme of greed is very obvious. And as we've noted, this storyline taps into the wellspring of stories that we all know very well, which we've jokingly been mentioning over the course of the podcast so far. Um, Was it a theme that I was able to ask my son to identify on his own? No. It, that he if if I talked to him well you know what lessons were there to learn from this film you know that greed is bad is not what he said you know so is it so that obvious maybe not or you know maybe my son just doesn't know that much about greed I don't know um. <laughs> well, that's
1: not terrible <laughs> I mean. know right
0: uh, but I I think it it is very clearly a a, a story about possession and and wanting things so strongly so I think in that sense Matthew I think you've clearly identified a theme there that was there for me when I saw the film
2: well it's there and then I think coupled with it which might be why it's kind of hard to pinpoint it as that's the theme of the movie is this blind jealousy that he seems to have um in that he's willing to destroy, he w- actively wants to destroy all of the pixies so that he can have the stuff that they create. So it doesn't make any sense for him to destroy the only creatures that make the stuff that he needs. But he's just so jealous that the woman that he loves chose to be with them instead of with him. That's his motivation.
1: Yeah, I because there is that.
2: And that ties into the greed, in
1: weird ways. Well, I think that's... So, yeah, but I think you're tapping into something that we all know is that the irrationality that goes along with this kind of greed. Um, yeah, That kind of exactly. comes from being so obsessive. That really becomes an issue. And uh, yeah, so... Uh, when you get to that point, you're not necessarily thinking clearly. I mean, when you think back to Star Wars Episode 3, Anakin's been saying he's doing it for Padme, but then he chokes her to death when he thinks that she may or may not have a thing with Obi-Wan. You know, so there's no necessarily rationale to it. It's just, it, it's completely obsessive and it takes you over and it it ruins everything. And like, you know, uh, Anakin and like... Voldemort um, they destroy what they want the most you know and Peter in the end gets what Blackbeard wants he's going to live forever eternal youth and he's going to have the love of the woman that you know uh, his mom Blackbeard always wanted his mom Um, and so but he'll never get that And, and Peter gets it because of what not because of some kind of greedy holding on to things but because of uh, the sacrifice of his mother, uh, the sacrifice of love, and the sacrifice that he's willing to make for Neverland. Um, you know, Peter doesn't die, but he's willing to face off and put his life at risk for others and for something bigger than himself. And that's a that's another great message, again, for kids to see that it's not all about you, you know, um, which... Peter will become later on because it is all about Peter in actual Peter Pan land when you know he is the boy who will never right, age who's fallen in love uh, with his mother or exactly.
0: whatever okay
1: Yeah that's a that's a whole other theme so but I thought that was really interesting and and so um Megan you had picked up something that you had wrote to me earlier today uh, before we had started recording. And you were just talking about this whole idea of family. And and so what were you seeing in terms of that in the film?
2: Um, I thought it was interesting that, I mean, Peter's whole motivation for going to Neverland is his mom. And they he's the one, he says it several times. But I feel like it wasn't as touched on as strongly as it could have been especially for a kid family movie um because once he got to Neverland even though this is basically going to become his new home um he still really felt like an outsider a lot of the time to me and that's probably because you know it's a prequel so he's just arriving but I felt like he should have been I don't know I don't know what didn't work for me but I wish that, like, family had been more of an overt theme in the film, especially considering that was Peter's motivation.
0: I My interpretation of family in that film, as you pointed out, there's that connection to your mother specifically, um, you know, any subtext aside. And there's that great moment with Hook when he makes some you know disparaging remark against his mother and be like well she never knew me she left me she doesn't miss me or something like that and um i think peter touches his shoulder you know and says well well how do you know you know it was a, a very sweet moment um but for me you know you can you can use that theme of you know the family that you're born with versus the family that you make and it did feel to me in the film as if um even if Peter doesn't feel 100% fitting in a Neverland yet. He does connect with Hook and Tiger Lily as those stand in Mom and Dad. I mean, I did get that feeling in the film.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting part of the story. And, and it makes me kind of want to see those other films because, you know, for Peter, the boy who doesn't grow up, does maybe he get stunted because something happens? with? And we're talking about the larger theme work here. But does he maybe not grow up because he sees something bad happen between Hook and Tiger Lily, his, you know, quote unquote Mm. parents, that causes him to be like, I'm never growing up. I'm never experiencing that. Um, And it makes me kind of, you know, being a kid of divorce, like it makes me wonder that as well, because, you know, my parents were together for a long, long time, and then as an adult, they divorced, and it probably destroyed me more than if that had happened when I was a kid, you know, and I just grew up and that was the way things were. I am I just think that's a really interesting theme to me, to think about what might happen, but that's not necessarily part of this movie, but it could be part of a discussion if they had ever gotten to do another movie, yeah. you know, what leads Peter that. to not want to grow up.
0: Yeah, I think the other, as I think uh, Megan called them breadcrumbs, uh, leading to the story is the big line where Hook says, "You know, I lied. I'm an adult. You know, right?"
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh man, there was a woman in the theater who thought that was the funniest <laughs> thing she had ever heard. <laughs> she laughed so loud. <laughs> so apparently, that is a big truth in parenting, right, Alice?
1: well yeah um it was true from a certain point of view uh yeah it certainly was exactly um (laughs) well for you guys okay what are some of the things that you you know you did like about the movie and then we'll talk about some of the things uh, that we didn't but uh what were some of the things that stood out for you that were positive about pan and and especially i want to get into this because this movie has been panned, and yes, I'm going to use the the pun because it has to be done at least once in the podcast by the critics. I mean, it's got like More. 23%, I think, 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. And my mm. wife and I, I looked at her and I said after the movie, I said, what did you think? And she said, I liked it. And I said, I, I did too. I, I mean, it's, it's not a bad movie. I can't believe this is getting such terrible reviews. She's like, well, how bad are they? And I was like, well... I'm telling this story like I'm a like high school girl, like girl, and like so. She was like, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, anyway, so she says to the best of to us. me, "How bad are they?" And I said, "Well, right now it's about twenty three, twenty four percent." She she looked at me and just shook her head. She could not understand how this movie was just garnering such bad press because it's not that bad. So, what were some of the things that did stand out for you?
2: Um, well, I thought that the design of Neverland was really unique, um, and I wish that we could have seen more of that, um, the visuals were lovely, um, I also really liked the way that they handled the pixies, um, though I wish that we would have seen more of that, uh, Tinkerbell is only on screen for a matter of seconds, um, Less than a minute for sure. Um, I thought it was cute. That I, I mean, they were teeny tiny, just that's what a pixie should look like. I thought that was well done. I did, I did like Levi Miller, I thought he did a good job as Peter. Um, and I did enjoy it. I wouldn't give it what did you say it was getting like a no, no, 23. Oh, it's like,
1: yeah, 23. 23.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't love it, but I don't think I would give it that low of a score. I'd probably give it like a 50 or 55 um so i mean it's definitely enjoyable and i could see how the right kid at the right age at the right time could go into the theater and come out adoring this movie it just wasn't quite my cup of tea but there was a lot to enjoy there for sure yeah i
0: you know if i were to give it a letter grade i'd probably give it a c plus um i didn't hate it i feel as i think i said early on in the podcast that i paid matinee prices and i was perfectly happy to have paid that money to see the film i'm right there with you i had a good time with my son watching the film i enjoyed a lot of the visuals you know there's this mix of this really steampunky stuff um and then the the sort of very childlike playfulness of um getting to neverland through the you know portal star, or however that worked, uh, into the very bright, colorful um, part of the native lands. I did like the costumes for the most part. Um, You know, the acting was 50-50, 50% 50 of the acting I really liked, 50% of the acting I, you know, was very so-so on. But, you know, I think uh, if you had really high expectations, or if you really love the source material, you might struggle uh, but if you're just looking for a fun film to go enjoy with your family, I can think of a lot worse ones than this one.
1: I would agree. And I'm right there with you guys because the uh, the things that I don't like about the movie are honestly mostly in the first third. And once I got to Neverland, got outside the the caves, uh, because I, I didn't like the the steampunkiness and and everything like I just didn't feel like that necessarily fit with the rest of what they created for Neverland because the rest of Neverland feels like Neverland it feels like it came kind of straight out of the the Peter Pan from the Disney movie or um you know the the film that came out not too many years ago and I, I liked it. it, it if um, they did a, a hook reference where they have all the big blasts of color, um, but that was when somebody got shot. So I was like, "Whoa!" So when somebody dies uh, and gets shot, they just explode into color bombs. Which that's a smart way to get a. I thought that was yeah, PG thirteen or a PG rating for for the kids. Um, but yeah. So I mean, once I got to that point of the film, I was really enjoying it. I, the Neverland stuff was it was fun. It was. It was beautiful. It was uh, fantastical and imaginative. You know, I-, I liked the idea that it's just a floating island in the middle of who knows where, second star to the right and straight on till morning. And, <laughs> you know, the- there's these like bubbles with fish in them and the fish can jump from bubble to bubble outside the i- I mean... All of that stuff was beautifully done, and and so much fun to see visually. And like I said, you know the the mermaids looked cool, and and everything about the the, the Neverbirds were just hysterical things. Like it's all imaginative, and it just made me feel like I was in this place, and I really liked that. So, um, you know, I I we've already kind of talked a little bit about ratings. I think I would probably say. That it is a, you know, it's like a 3.5 movie, you know? It's, it's, it's a little <laughs> above average, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's definitely not terrible. And, you know, if you're looking for something to take your kids to, uh, and then maybe have something to talk about afterwards, it's, it's a good, it's a good, fun movie. You know, there's no reason to, to pan this, uh, in the way that, uh, it has been because, um, Especially on the strength, I would say, of Levi Miller. Uh, as we've talked about, the acting can be fifty-fifty, but on the strength of him, it's like this is this is a good Peter Pan, you know, as as a as an actor and in and a character, he, he does that well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's sad that it wasn't better. I think that's the thing that I came out yeah. not liking the most. Other than the nun stuff that we talked about, which really bothered me, um, is that it was I just wanted it to be better, and I go into movies hoping that they're going to be great, and because I do love Peter Pan, I wanted this to be pretty fantastic, and and when that didn't happen, it wasn't that it wasn't meeting some strange expectations that I had set. It was just I just wanted it to be better, so that you know Peter Pan might be something they would want to do more of, so. Yeah, I agree with you on a lot of those points. Well, ladies, uh, any final thoughts on on uh, pan at all? And and if uh, you know, if you did have kids, Alice, you do have a son, so is it something that uh, you would kind of recommend for other uh, parents if they were looking to take their kids to a movie?
0: I, I do. I mean, I I think especially if you if you are the kind of parent who takes the time to have the post experience conversation, because there are a lot of really. Um, meaty teaching moments in the film uh, that we've already touched on quite a few of. So I think if you have, you know, a kid anywhere between, I would say even nine to 15, 16 who, who really likes to dig in and will is willing to have a conversation with your child about the material that you're watching. I, I think it's worthwhile. I don't have
2: kids that I'm around them enough. I think, uh, I think a kid could have fun with it. I know that my younger cousin, um, who I th- is in his tween years um, enjoyed it, but didn't go wild and crazy over it. But he had a good time at the theater. So,
1: well, and and when I went to the theater with my wife, you know, when we first got there, it was pretty empty, and it was a nine o'clock showing. But by the time that the movie started. There was a good, I mean, the, the theater was mostly full and there were kids there with their parents. And, and so, you know, it's great because there are not a lot of PG movies coming out these days for kids. And this one is, I think it's fun. It's worth taking your kids to and, and having a good time with. And like you said, Alice, have have some good conversations afterwards, you know, do some parenting. <laughs> um so uh, you said it. I, Matthew, I think not that's me. what. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but I know that Alice would back me up. So uh, I I think it's it's a great thing to to be able to do with kids. I can't wait to do it with you know my own kids to talk through those things that I love and and about the things that they can learn from it. And you know I think in the end, um, the movies that I really heart. You know, like I heart this movie it it's the movies that um i probably can go back to over and over because i really do get something out of it that's more than just entertainment and um you know i think that's why i can watch ca'sablanca over and over it's my favorite movie because there's so much going on in that film you know um it, empire strikes back it's another one of my favorite films uh star trek 6 you know uh, all of these kind of movies. I, I just watched uh, Interstellar again because of that. So, Ah, oh, what a great movie. You know, uh, just things like that, it, it stands out to me. So I'm really glad we got to talk through this film, even if it didn't turn out to be any of our favorites. Um, you know, I, I liked the fun and the hopefulness of it, and I'm, I'm hoping that studios won't shy away from making this kind of stuff anymore just because this one didn't work. I think the message, you just need to take studio just make sure the script is really strong and forget about trying (laughs) to turn it into a a franchise. Just try to craft a really strong film. So um, I'll I'll give a shout out. I was watching the uh, extras on the Tomorrowland Blu-ray that just came to my house today, which I was really excited about. And if you haven't seen that, go check that out and listen to the show that we did on it because it was a lot of fun. So uh, back in those 602 club archives and, and we are checking out the shows, make sure you go to iTunes.com slash FM where you can find all of our shows here in every part of the Star Trek universe. And as Christopher Jones likes to say, beyond, uh, you know that uh, we are a feature provider there in iTunes. And I really... We had our winner last week for our contest. I really appreciate you guys all doing those iTunes reviews for us. Those written reviews are fantastic. Keep it up. Those really help the show, and they have really helped the show. Uh, more people have been finding it, and I can tell by the download numbers. So you guys are affecting who's finding the show. So thank you so much. Uh, we are going to be doing another review contest for our Star Wars feed soon, and I actually have a really cool prize for that. So Make sure you listen for that and when that's coming around. If you're not an Apple user, don't worry, guys. We've got you covered. Uh, go to Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Windows Phone. Uh, you can go to the website at Trek.fm and grab the MP3 file. Just download it. Or you can grab the RSS link and pop that into any, any podcatcher. I really want to thank Ken Tripp. He is my associate producer here on the show through Patreon. And uh, it's through him that this show comes to you each week one of the most important things that any listener can do is check out patreon.com slash FM. We are a listener-supported network, and it's only through the kindness of all the people who listen and support us on Patreon that we're able to make this network happen. We don't have lots of ads on our shows. We don't have any of that stuff. We just want to give you great content, and we love bringing it to you. So go to patreon.com slash FM. See how you can help the network. Um, you can get... Special perks, you could be on the Patreon roundtables, exclusive content, producer credits, and Christopher Jones just set up the special Patreon area only for Patreon members. It's super cool. Um, We've got some really great wallpapers there. Chris created a ringtone for fans. It's just fantastic. So go to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can be part of the team. And of course... Both of you ladies are a part of the Babel Conference there on Facebook, our listeners-only discussion group, which is a blast. So if you as a listener are not on there, just go to Facebook and type in Babel in the search field or go to trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. Now, both of you ladies are also a part of Educating Geeks, as we talked about. So I would love for you to tell everybody about Educating Geeks and where they can find you. I was just listening to your fabulous Doctor Who podcast the other day and yelling at some things that you guys missed um, <laughs> when you didn't talk about the Doctor dances I wanted to like uh, I couldn't believe nobody mentioned that episode because it's so good. It's so such good. a good episode. And it's the one I wasn't on into- that one otherwise I would have <laughs> brought it up. It's the one that got me into Doctor Who uh, it, it like that was the episode where I was like oh I love this. Like I love this. Um, so anyway tell everybody about education Educating Geeks, and then, of course, where they can find both of you online.
2: Well, you can find Educating Geeks at EducatingGeeks.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're just slash Educating Geeks on all of those services. Um, And, yeah, we bring new podcasts out every week. We always talk about a topic, and the topic in question is something that someone on the panel has never experienced before. So that Doctor Who episode, that Matthew was talking about we were giving an education to one of our friends who had never seen Doctor Who. Um, So visit us and listen to the podcast. We hope you'll enjoy it. And if you'd like to find me personally on Twitter, I am at
0: Meg Calcote, M-E-G-C-A-L-C-O-T-E. And I am Megan's uh, mini-me over at Educating Geeks, and uh, you can find me personally my co-me i was i know my mini me my co it would be the reverse right because i'm so tall yeah i'm shorter um you can find me personally on the internet uh a l c b k r Uh, and i do like to hang out over at the babel conference so if you you know want to talk more about pan um i'll definitely be looking out for your comments i'll be interested to hear what you guys think
1: well, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can find me on Instagram at MRushing. You can find me doing the orb with Christopher Jones. where We talk exclusively about Deep Space Nine. We talk about orbs and prophets and Ferengi and Cardassians. Oh, my. <laughs> um, we also talk... Uh, I'm also on Literary Treks with Dan, where we talk talking about the books and the comics of Star Trek and interviewing authors about all the latest books coming out. It's a lot of fun, and if you're missing the prime universe of Star Trek, then uh, books are really the place to be these days, and so check that out. I have my own personal blog at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com, where you'll find reviews of such films as Pan... And book reviews and other things that don't necessarily fit in the Trek FM universe. And you'll. Yeah, so check that out. I hope you'll enjoy it. Well, I really appreciate everybody being with us in the 602 as always. And y'all come back now, you hear?